Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I'm super excited to be here, uh, all the way from South Carolina. So we, yes, we are in a, uh, a church that it networks with Cornerstone, the Impact Network, if you're familiar with it. It's many churches that have come together. We share resources, and sometimes we do cool things like this, and this has been great to be able to meet you folks. I'm looking forward to meeting you more, so that's good. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I'm currently a student at Grace College of Divinity in my master's program, um, trying to get my master's in Christian leadership. I'm also in the Air Force Reserves. I'm also a uh, Christian hip-hop artist, so come check me out. So it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, God is good. Praise the Lord. So anyway, um, but uh, seriously, um, a little bit more importantly, I've been doing ministry with the Impact Network for about four years now. And um, I was just so excited to be here. Continued prayers for your pastor. And we're just going to see what the Lord has to do today. I also want to mention my wife is here on the front row. I couldn't do anything without her. Her name is Elise. And actually, I have a picture of my family. If we have that picture, I just want to show it to you because I love to brag about my family. Praise God. There they go. So, yes, um, that was from last Christmas. So, um, anyway, um, I love them so much. They're all here with me today. They support everything that I do, and I couldn't be more blessed. So what we want to do now is we're going to dive into the message. But before we do that, I'm going to pray one more time. Because how many people know that the Holy Spirit has to be the vehicle behind everything that we do? It has to be him. It can't be me. It can't be any idea that we had. It has to be his idea. It has to be his vision in the way that he's going. So let's just pray together as a church and invite the Holy Spirit's presence here. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are already here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working in the lives of everyone in this building. Thank you that you had a reason for everyone to be here today. And I want to pray that you touch. I want to pray that you encourage. I want to pray that you lift people up. And I rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name. You have no authority here. This is not your place. This place belongs to the kingdom of God. And any attack against this kingdom is an attack against the Lord God Almighty. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. The only spirit that's worshipped here is the Holy Spirit. Get all glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. All right, so folks, what I want to share with you today is a message that I've titled The Sweet Spot. The Sweet Spot. And there's a reason why it's titled The Sweet Spot, because I believe that the sweet spot is the place God has called you to reside. This is the place that God wants you to live. In other words, this is your God-given purpose is your sweet spot. So I believe that this, li- this message is going to be life-changing for somebody today. There's somebody here today who's been wondering what their purpose is. They've been wondering how to find it. They've been wondering, God, I've, I've got all these things going on in my life, but I, I don't really know which one is from you. What's from you? What's my God-given purpose? What is my sweet spot? Today we're going to talk about two things. First, how you identify your sweet spot, praise God. That's awesome. That's that's life changing. And then secondly, how to live and reside in that sweet spot, because it's not just enough to know what it is. We've got to live in it. Amen. We've got to live in what God has called us to do. So, God, I want to pray that you would just take this message in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in order to do that, I want to show you something. I want to pull up a display. I have a picture that I would like you to see. And if you can't see that, I'm going to describe it a little bit. On that graph, what you see is three different things. What you see is your gifts, your passions, 
and your opportunities. Your gifts, your passions, and your opportunities. Where those three places overlap in your life, that is your sweet spot. That is where God wants you to reside. You're like, Chris, that sounds very practical. That doesn't sound very very spiritual at all. What's going on with this sweet spot? Don't you know that the Lord has orchestrated all of your steps? Don't you know that you live where you live for a reason? You were born into your family for a reason. You have that job for a reason. You have those friends for a reason. There's a reason why your life is turning out the way that it is, where your gifts and your passions and your opportunities overlap. That is your sweet spot. You know, there's, a, there's another pastor in our network, Pastor Judd Jordan. He pastors at um, uh, Embark Church in Orangeburg. And that's one of the first things he ever taught me. I came to him looking for vision and direction. And I was like, I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm just not sure. What is God trying to show me? And what he identified through this lesson is that God has been speaking all the time. The Lord always speaks. He always speaks. Sometimes the Lord is speaking to us and we're just like, oh, wait, God, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. And he's like, go this way. And I'm like, well, I, ooh, that was me. I, I don't think I should go that way. I don't know. The Lord is constantly speaking to us. Our gifts, our talents, and our opportunities, where they come together, that's our sweet spot. Now, some people might just be like, okay, I can go home. I can go home. I've been trying to figure out what purpose is. This is great. I've got it now. Gifts, passions, opportunities, boom. But, you know, Again, that's not quite enough because we have to know how to correctly operate in the sweet spot. I want to tell a story on myself a little bit, at least. So growing up, here's an example of not walking in your sweet spot, okay? So growing up, I wanted to be an actor, right? I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be like Will Smith fighting aliens and stuff on the big screen. And I got married. And my wife was like, no, you ain't being an actor up in here. No. You ain't going to some other family acting like you're their family instead of, no. So I'm like, okay, there goes my opportunity. That's not my sweet spot. That's not it. See, they have to overlap together. Yes, yes, praise the Lord. It doesn't matter how talented or passionate I am about it. I don't have the opportunity. There might be some things that I have the opportunity to do, and I may be very talented in, but I have no passion. I have no passion. That's not what God has called you to do. Your gifts, your talents, and your opportunities overlap. Now, uh, in a positive example, something that really shows the sweet spot in action, in my opinion, again, on my wife. Um, I brag on her all the time because I love her. But anyway, um, this past couple of weeks, my whole family, except for Elise, was sick. We were all sick. Well, actually, uh, she was sick, too. She just handled it better than the rest of us did, right? And there's something very strange about my life that I have not yet been able to figure out. I have not been able to identify it yet, but I want to describe it to you. See, whenever I get a cold, my legs stop working, and my arms stop working, and my whole body starts shutting down. It seems like the only thing about my body that works are my vocal cords to complain about the discomfort that I'm in, right? Lord, please help me. Elise, please give me something. Can you help me? But see, my wife is a completely different story. It doesn't matter how she feels. She is still up and moving and not only taking care of herself, but taking care of the rest of the family. And that's what it was like this last couple of weeks. You see, she has a passion for supporting her family. She is very gifted in doing that as well. And because 
of how many times we break down. She has plenty of opportunity. Praise God. She has plenty of opportunity. And she works in that sweet spot despite how she feels. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody probably already knows where I'm going with this thing. We have to operate in our sweet spot no matter how we feel. Sometimes when we feel bad, we think it's an excuse not to minister. Ooh, Jesus, help us. Sometimes we feel bad. We think we have to wait for the storm to pass before we can be effective for God's kingdom. That's not what the sweet spot looks like. Your gifts, your talents, and opportunities, they overlap no matter your circumstance. And see, I think this is the problem that we have to overcome as Christians. I'm, I'm talking to you now, Christian. If you're a believer, this is you. If you're not a believer, hang with me because I'm still going to got something for you as well. But, Christian, this is, this is you and me. I believe that many Christians don't know how to live in the sweet spot. See, some of us have already gotten past the point in our journey where we've been able to identify the sweet spot. Praise God, that's awesome. But are we living in that? Are we walking in the sweet spot? Are we residing in that? It's almost like being a mechanic and having all the tools in your tool bag but not pulling them out. We have to live in what God has called us to do, and this is going to be the main focus of the message. And, and part of the problem, and, and, and listen, this is not accusation. The Lord has really, you, you know, if, if you ever speak, if you ever have spoken, if you've ever done anything for the Lord, you know that the Lord works it out in you before you can speak it to someone else in integrity. <laughs> he does that. So if you, have, if, if you have a passion to minister for the Lord, just get prepared. That's, that's the way that he works. That's the way that he works. So this is me too, guys. But the, the problem is many of us are often too selfish to walk in our sweet spot. Again, not accusational. We just are focused on ourselves a lot, right? And so what I want to do is I want to display a second picture and give you a little bit more information on how to look at the sweet spot. You may not be able to read that, but this graph tells you where your sweet spot is, how to live into it. It's in between two different extremes. On the one side, you've got your comfort zone. And on the other side, you've got false expectations. Your sweet spot isn't your comfort zone. It's not false expectations. It's that place in between where God has called you to live. Our selfishness lives on either side. Our selfishness lives on either side. See, some people would rather choose the security of our comfort zone than to walk in the sweet spot. Because what your comfort zone is in a place where you know you can do it. You know you can do it. You've driven to work so many times, you don't even pray for protection anymore. You know you can do it. You've seen that person at the job so much, you don't even ask God to lead you when you speak to them anymore. You know you can speak to them and be friends with them. You know that. There's so many things that we do that are like falling off a log. We're comfortable there. That's great. But that's not your sweet spot. That's not your sweet spot. We can't always choose comfort and think that this is our best for the Lord, right? Your comfort zone is about what you can do on your own, but your sweet spot is about what God can do through you. Again, I'm going to say that your comfort zone is about what you can do on your own, but your sweet spot is about what God can do through you. Praise your name, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. And so on the other extreme, sometimes we travel far off base into a place called false expectations. And 
you know, a, a simple way of talking about false expectation so that we don't misunderstand it. False expectation is something that you want to do that God isn't calling you to do. Something you want to do that God isn't calling you to do, that's a false expectation. I know I've been there. I know I've been there. Right? Your false expectation is about how you would change your own life, but your sweet spot is about what God is changing in your life. You see, when we go our own way, oftentimes in selfishness, we miss what God is trying to tell us. We miss it. Sweet spots in between these two different extremes. These two different extremes. And so what I want to do to drive this home a little bit is I want to talk about somebody in God's word who, in my opinion, was a master at operating in his sweet spot. A master of it. We want to talk about Paul the Apostle. Um, at one point, his name was Saul. And I'm going, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in the book of Ephesians in chapter 3. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And we're just going to read a passage in God's Word that is just such a great example of Paul working in his sweet spot. You see, Paul, he was somebody, he was a builder, he was a planter, he was an encourager. He pushed so many people to seek their best in the Lord. And what we're about to read right now is a great example of that. It's a great example of that. It's a little bit long uh, of a scripture, but praise God, I would rather the Lord speak than me speak anyway, right? So we're going to see what God has to say. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I'm reading from the NIV, so if you have something different, just know um, it's still God's word. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go. 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Thank you, Lord. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work with us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God's word is so powerful. It's so encouraging. And, and I've and I got to tell you, this is just like a huge dose of encouragement. He just took a big ball of encouragement and just dropped it on the Ephesian church. And it was amazing how he operated in such power that way. But there's something even more critical that I want you to get from this verse than just the fact that he was encouraging them. I want you to know about Paul's situation. I want you to know what was happening in his life. You see, right now, when he was writing this verse, Paul was in jail. He was in chains. And he was writing to people who were free. And he was saying, I hope that you have power. He was saying, I hope you experience the love of God. He was saying, I hope that God fills you up completely in your inner being. These are people that are in a situation by comparison that's much better than he is. And he's praying for their blessing and their encouragement and for them to be filled. Because Paul knew that working in his sweet spot had nothing to do with his situation. He knew that. He knew that. Thank you, Lord. Now, I've got to tell you something. 
If I was in Paul's position, this letter wouldn't look this way. It wouldn't look this way. I would, the letter probably would have looked something like this. Hey, Cornerstone Church. Yes, remember me. This is Chris. I came to visit and spoke with you one time. I got to say, um, we need to take up a love offering so you can post my bail and I can get out of here. You know, we got to do something about this situation I'm in. We need to take up an offering so that I can get back on a stage so that I can minister. You know, that's what it would look like. Maybe I wouldn't even ask for a love offering. Maybe, see, I would have wanted to be in my comfort zone. This is where I'm comfortable, dude. I got a minister here. Maybe I would have said, maybe I wouldn't even ask for a love offering. Maybe I would have said, oh, okay, guys, you know, this is great, but why don't y'all just pray that the Holy Spirit does a great work and that an angel comes, kicks me in the side, wakes me up in the middle of the night, and leads me out into the street so I can be free, you know? I would have been operating in a false expectation. I would have been wanting to go someplace that God didn't call me to go. You see, Paul understood that because of the fact that he was in prison, he was supposed to minister in prison. You see, when you're in a bad situation and you still minister, the people that are in a bad situation with you get ministered to. Praise God. Praise the Lord. See, this is what we got to understand. If we're waiting for God to change our our situation before we begin to walk and work and listen to him, then we're missing out on our sweet spot. Paul knew this. The encouragement that he gave to this Ephesian church has encouraged generation after generation after generation because of his obedience. What if he would have sat there with his arms folded and said, you know what, God, I'm not going to write this letter until you get me out of here. We wouldn't have the book of Ephesians. We wouldn't have the book of Ephesians. We have to operate and what God is calling us to do, despite our situation. Now, praise your name, God. One thing I want to tell you as well. Paul did not always operate on this level. He had to learn it, just like we do. He had to learn it. There's hope for us. There's hope for you, Christian, because of the fact that we don't have to be these amazing, powerful pillars of the Lord that never shake or anything to that effect. That's who God is. Let him be him. Let him change us. And we, this journey is going to bless us and everyone around us, right? I just, yes, Lord. Okay, Father. So I just want to speak to something. If there's somebody in here right now that is experiencing shame because they think they're not good enough, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You need to come against that like it's a spiritual attack because the Lord has called you child. The Lord has given it all for you. The Lord died on the cross for you. Not only a terrible death, but take on all the burdens of sin that he didn't deserve for you. You are worth so much. You are worth so much. Holy Spirit, please work in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. So anyway, praise God. Back to this. I want to tell you about how Paul learned to work in his sweet spot. It all starts in Acts chapter 9. We're not going to turn there right now. I just want to give you an overview of what happened here, but I do encourage you to read it throughout your week because reading God's word is going to be so much more helpful to you than anything that I can say or any other minister from the States. God wants to speak to you personally, and he'll do that when you spend time with him. So I encourage you, go back and read Acts chapter 9. Don't believe what I say. Go and see what God says. Amen? So in Acts chapter 9, this is when Paul had his amazing conversion. Just a little cliff notes on Paul, just in case you uh, are unfamiliar. He was the guy that was very educated. He was a Pharisee. He knew all these different things, and he knew all these people. And when he found out about the believers, he hated them. He thought that they were completely wrong. He thought that they had it completely off, and he thought that they were dishonoring God, so he wanted them all dead. So what he did was he helped people round up believers and kill them. 
And he was on his way to do more of that when Jesus met him on the road and showed him that he was wrong about everything that he believed. And he was like, okay, God, I'm changing everything. I'm changing everything. This is all in Acts chapter 9, right? So what happened there, he immediately went to a place that was his comfort zone because Paul knew how to rub elbows with important people. He was always talking in the synagogue. He was one of the most educated Pharisees that there was. So he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the place where I know I can go into the synagogue and show everybody what I just learned. So that's what he did. Acts chapter 9. And he argued all these people down, all these Jewish people that he knew, until the point where they started to hate him. And they said, kill this guy. We need to kill this guy. And Paul was like, whoa, that didn't work. What's going on here? His comfort zone wasn't the place where he was supposed to go. And so what he did was he said, okay, well, let me do this. Let me go meet up with the disciples. Let me go meet up with them. And because of all the things that I've learned, and because of what Jesus just told me, I know this is a strong call in my life. They're going to accept me, and we're going to do great things together. And as soon as he met up with the disciples, they were like, whoa, wait a minute. I know who this guy is. It's a trap. It's like that Star Wars guy. It's a trap. Everybody, (laughs) thank you, Jesus. Everybody had the attitude that he was some kind of spy, or he was some kind of guy that wasn't here to do what he said he was going to do. So they held him at arm's length. And he caused such a ruckus in the area that the apostles came to him and were like, brother, you've got to go home. You can't hang out with us. You've got to go back home to Tarsus. He had a huge call on his life. He knew God had spoken to him. He saw it in the road, but no place that he went to accepted him. He had to stay in Tarsus for three years after feeling that strong call. For three years, he was rejected by the Jews in his comfort zone. He was rejected by the apostles in his false expectation of just being accepted just like that. But how many people here know that when people reject you, God is often protecting you. God is often setting you up for something greater than you can even imagine. It would have been so easy to be like, Lord, I can't believe that I've missed what you were saying to me. He didn't miss a thing. He just needed to wait for his passion and his talent and his opportunity overlap. That's what he needed to do. So now we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 11. This is three years later because one other thing that I've got, you've got to know about what's happening here is that up until this point in the Bible, the believers only thought that Jews could come to the Lord. And then there was a great move of God in a church called Antioch where people who were not Jewish called Gentiles in the Bible, people who were not Jewish were coming to the Lord in droves and the church exploded and it was huge and they were like, Barnabas, go check these guys out and see what's going on. So Barnabas went down there and guess what? He was one of the people who believed in Paul. He was like, this place, Antioch, they need leadership. And I know just the guy. He's back in Tarsus. It's Paul. Let me go get him. Let me go get them because Antioch needs leadership. They need somebody who knows about the Jewish customs. They need somebody who knows so much more than they know to teach them. And this is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 25. That starts to explain this. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They were first called Christians at Antioch. You mean to tell me 
that when he was rejected from the people that he thought were close, and even from the people that were far away, God was setting him up to be on one of the biggest transitions that his people had ever seen. When Christianity, when the word Christian came into being, Paul was in the forefront of leadership. He was in the forefront of leadership. Would that have happened if he would have stayed and hung out with the Jews? Would that have happened if he would have been immediately accepted by the disciples? Oh, Jesus, yes, Lord. If there's somebody in your life who has caused you significant pain, but the Lord has used that situation to bring you where you are now, just thank God for his goodness. Thank God that it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to turn out. Thank God that his ways are higher than your ways and his plans are greater than your plans. God is so good. Also, you know, Paul, Paul wrote about a third of our New Testament. And he had a huge ministry to the Gentiles. Do you think that Paul's ministry toward the Gentiles would have been so strong if he hadn't been the leader of a Gentile church for over a year? You see how all this comes together? He was operating in his sweet spot because his opportunities began to overlap with his passions and his gifting. So I want to give you guys three things um, so that you can remember what we're talking about today. If you wouldn't mind putting up the third picture that I have there. And this is just a mix of the first two that I put together. Just wanted to have it up as a reminder. If you are a note taker, this is a great time for you because these three things I pray that God will use to be life changing in your life. So first thing right here, number one, your sweet spot cannot be manufactured. Your sweet spot cannot be manufactured. God is the one who dictates to you what your sweet spot is. It is discovered by seeking God's face and not his hand. It is discovered by seeking God's face and not his hand. Well, Chris, what do you mean about that? I mean that if you're in jail and you're waiting for God to rescue you out of jail before you walk in what God told you, you're doing the wrong thing. You're seeking his hand to deliver you from a situation. Instead of saying, God, good morning, you're awesome. I love you, Lord God. Just lead me, please. Just lead me, Father. Just forgive me for who I am and make me more like you, God. What am I supposed to know today? It's by seeking his face, not his hand. Number two, your, your sweet spot will stretch you. Your sweet spot will stretch you. Operating in your sweet spot will not be possible without God. You will fail on your own. That is by design. Guess what? Guess what? No one shares God's glory. The glory belongs to him. If you could do it on your own, then you might be like, yeah, look what I did. Check that thing out. That might be what your attitude is. But God gets glory. And when God gets glory, he continues to work in you. And more people get blessed. And God gets more glory. This is how the kingdom of God advances. By God's glory. So if you see something that you say, Lord, I think this is what you're calling me to do. But I just know I can't do it. Well, praise God. He can. He can do it. Your sweet spot will stretch you. And the third one, number three. We talked about this already a little bit. Your sweet spot will benefit others. It will benefit others. It's the opposite of selfishness. It's not focused on your desires or your needs. It's focused on helping other people. Just like Paul, when he was in prison and he was using his gift of encouragement to benefit those that were free. You might be able to look at someone else's situation and be like, Lord, I don't know if they need this. I don't know, Lord. Guess what? If God's telling you to speak, speak. 
speak of Jesus. There it is. Your sweet spot cannot be manufactured. Your sweet spot will stretch you and your sweet spot will benefit others. And I want to leave you with something from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given as well. When we seek God's kingdom first, then he fills us up, and he gives us purpose, and he guides our path. He is the one who heals our children. He is the one who mends relationships. He is the one who makes a way when there's no way. He's the one who breaks down barriers in Jesus' name. God does these things. And if God is for us, who can be against us? I don't know what you're going through right now. I really don't. But the Lord knows. And he's there. And oftentimes he's just there waiting for you to say, yes, God, okay. I'll do it your way. Seek first the kingdom of God. The biggest takeaway from this is that your sweet spot is not all about you. It's not all about you. It is more about the spiritual impact you make on this world because God always gets the glory. Your comfort zone is about what you can do on your own. Sweet spot is what God can do through you. False expectations is how you would change your own life. Your sweet spot is how God is changing your life. And honestly, I've got one more thing, because I said this in the very beginning. I don't want to leave you hanging. I said that if you're here and you're not a believer, I've got something for you too. And here's, here's what it is. Very simple. Very simple. You might be listening to this and say, you know what? This is a great message. This is cool. But it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't apply to me. I've never made the Lord my Savior, so how can I trust him? I've never said yes to him, so how can I do what he's calling me to do? I'm here to tell you, today is your day. Today is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. And I want to give you a little bit of insight on what Jesus Christ did for you. He died on the cross to represent your death. He doesn't blame you for your sin. He takes it. It says the punishment that you deserved, I'll take it because I want you to live with me forever. In order, to, in order to accept that, all you have to do is say, Lord, I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it yours. I don't want me anymore. I want you. You say, wow, Chris, that's, that's, all, that's a lot. You said all you got to do is say, I don't want to do it. my." Yeah, that's what it is. I don't want to mince words with you. God wants to take your life and transform it and make it something amazing. But you have to say yes to him. So in order to do that, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray as a congregation if we would all pray together on behalf of the person that wants to give their life to Christ today. We're going to go do it together so that we as a church family can operate in the way the church is supposed to operate together as a body. If you want to give your heart to Christ today, this is all you have to do. You just have to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I've heard that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. Please forgive me, Lord, for anything that I've done wrong. And change me, Lord, to be more like you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.